Live from the Talking Joe Studios. It's Talking Joe. Talking Joe is on the air. Hey, 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 it's me, Mark, and welcome to Talking Joe, the world's leading premier G.I. Joe comic podcast. Um, so today uh, we are talking about the uh, disavowed era once again, and specifically we are doing a mini episode looking at the curious story, Silent Prelude. Um, but I will not be doing that alone. I will be joined by my regular co-host, a real American Tim. It's Tim Finn. Hello, <laughs> uh, <laughs> listeners and viewers. Hello, Mark. Uh, hello. Um, so uh, where to begin, Tim? Um, so uh, this story, uh, it, it's sort of unusual, isn't it? That it appears only in the Snake Eyes Declassified Collected Edition trade paperback. Um, and uh, I, somewhat ironically, uh, Let's see, I've got it here. There was a uh, a recent reprint of issue 21, which was called uh, Complete Silence, uh, advertising uh, that it had everything silent uh, interlude related, uh, but was missing this uh, vital uh, prologue uh, prelude story. Um, I, I believe on Facebook, when the editor of that, reprint you just held up mentioned it i th i think i i commented and i said oh will this have silent prelude the story that was only included in the snake eyes uh declassified collection and the editor said no and to be fair this is obscure and if i was the person who was reminding everyone that this existed it was too late in the process of you know page count and um and, and pricing and um i don't have my copy of complete silence in front of me it's it's it's, it's four feet over there in a box but as i recall uh i don't think there are six spare pages in it i think it's got three or four extra pages with maybe the cover with the cover of the reprints with no logo on it something like that um and from a business model perspective, I, I do understand how if you have, um, what is it? Uh, the reprint, is it, is it $7.99? I can't remember. Uh, I can have a look. $6.99? It was $4.99. Okay. So uh, the way that, you know, signatures of pages go you can't just add five or six pages you'd have to add i think eight or 16 and that's another uh dollar and you know that's not what they it's not what idw thought it was doing so in terms of once they decided what they were doing if i was the lucky guy who was the first reminder of this obscure story um it was too late but um there is also <laughs> Let me grab this off of let me grab this off of my shelf. Uh, oh, do I not have it on my shelf? Um, well, there's also then the <laughs> okay, I've, 
Uh, I guess I have, where was it? Uh, okay. Uh, there's also the 40th anniversary and uh, 40th anniversary special hardcover, which includes the, it's sort of the deluxe presentation of the, uh, the, the remake of issue 21, Silent Interlude, right? So that was a $7.99 comic that came out a year ago. And then just a few months ago, IDW had a hardcover, which included that and some of the bonuses from the silent, <laughs> silent interlude 30th anniversary special, the hardcover, which IDW did 10 years ago, um, uh, Larry Hama's uh, original pencil breakdowns. And this also would have been a place to include this. And the 40th anniversary hardcover didn't say complete. So I don't feel like that was any kind of false advertising. Uh, the 40th anniversary hardcover did say it was going to have this non-existent Larry Hama self-referential story, which wasn't in the 40th anniversary special. But anyway, um, uh, this is a very long way of saying, uh, one, there are only two places to get silent. And that is the uh, the Devil's Due, Snake Eyes, Declassified uh, Softcover, which is, uh, I believe, was released in April of 2006, and the Snake Eyes Declassified Hardcover, which I believe was released in January of 2007, right? So 19 bucks and 30 bucks. Um, and um, who who referred to this? We we did a recent interview. Was it was it Blaylock? It wasn't Jerwa or Seely, but someone said I think it was Blaylock. Um, casually, oh yeah, we did that once or twice where we included some yeah. new exclusive. Crank, yeah. Okay, thank you. Right, it was more recent than our Blaylock interview. Oh, that's right. He said, I'm paraphrasing. We included some exclusive pages a few times in some collections and. Um, when the Snake Eyes Declassified collection appeared, I had mixed feelings because, uh, one, I didn't read that miniseries as I, and I wasn't interested in it. So I wasn't organically going to buy that softcover. But now there was a reason to maybe buy that softcover because I was starved for Larry Hama G.I. Joe material and the... Uh, two times Hama showed up in the Devil's Due uh, universe, three times, excuse me. Uh, there's there's uh, Frontline one through four, there's um, uh, the Storm Shadow series, and what, I'm blind, just had it a second. Declassified. Thank you, G.I. Joe Declassified, the three issue miniseries that comes before issue one of the Marvel run. Um, that wasn't enough for me, and of those three, I like one and a half of them. And so, and not only was Larry Hama going to be creating a six page new story in the G.I. Joe continuity, he was going to be um, breaking it down as well, doing loose pencils, right? What a treat. Um, and then on top of that, Ron Wagner, right? This is 2006. Ron Wagner hadn't drawn G.I. Joe since uh, 1991. Right when he did the cover for what is it one, is it one nineteen, one fifteen? It's a cover where um, we are behind one of the planes and it's getting shot up and the co-pilot is turning around and saying, "Uh oh, it's during the." Uh, it must be one fifteen. It's during the uh, Battle of Benjin. Um, 
I think Ron Wagner had done some uh, commissions in the intervening time, but Ron Wagner hadn't drawn G.I. Joe in 15 years. And also, Ron Wagner isn't associated with Silent Interlude, the original issue 21. But what a cool thing to have him involved in this prelude because he is a definitive G.I. Joe artist. And it's not like IDW was grabbing one of their, uh, excuse me, it's not like uh, Devil's Due was grabbing in 2005, 2006, one of their then current, mm. not as exciting to me, G.I. Joe artists to finish uh, over Larry Hama's art, right? It was this this story, Silent Prelude, had all of the earmarks of um, uh, um, fully, uh, what's the word? Not approved, sort of, it, this, is, this is authentic, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. more, and in a way more authentic than anything else Devil's Due had published with all due respect to Devil's Due's work and its, its fans, right? Because here's the guy and that other guy um, so, um, that was my initial, uh, reaction, but I, I think, uh, I don't know that my local comic book store got a copy. So I didn't, I don't believe I looked at it when it came out to sort of peruse it, to then decide whether or not I would buy it. And I think a friend of mine did get it and I flipped through it and I thought, okay, this is a treat, but it's also a tease and it's too much of a tease. And uh, the other six full comics in this paperback collection, the actual Snake Eyes Declassified miniseries, is so much not my cup of tea. Uh, even the new Hama story isn't enough for me. Um, and then also, um, so I have a, I, I think I sort of implied this three minutes ago, but I didn't say it outright. I have a small problem with collecting material and including new exclusive material and not making it available sort of cheaply elsewhere. Like let's pretend Silent Prelude was uh, a full 22 pages. If when the Snake Eyes Declassified collection came out, if Silent Prelude had been issued as a single comic, you know, six months or a year later, right? Um, then I would feel like I had a shot and it's quote, finger quotes, fair. Um, but now it's this, uh, it's a, it's a trick. It's a ploy to get me to buy this collection. And for someone like you, Mark, who I believe got the miniseries when it originally mm -hmm. came out to buy it a second time, which you might not have done. And I'll go a step further. That feels not just sort of sneaky. That feels cynical on my part. The devil's do is saying, we don't trust that this snake eyes declassified collection will sell enough on its own. So we're going to spike it with this exclusive uh, Larry Hama thing that's so tantalizing. You know that most famous G.I. Joe story? We're going back to the well. It's not even like some random story where, you know, like Tunnel Rat and Sci-Fi are like sitting up in a tree, like with their like scopes on someone you know, like a bat across the field. I, I would, I would really like to read that Larry Hammond. <laughs> You've just written an entirely new story, Tim. Uh, but but can, yeah, it's like, can... I think, you know, you want, to, I feel like the publisher should be really rewarding and looking after the regular readers who are buying the monthly book. And when, when you, you've bought the original book, you bought this, the issues as they come out, 
And then there's this extra bit that you can only get by buying the thing that you've already got again. Uh, it does seem a little bit unfair. So I'm not really a, a fan of, of having such important extra material only available as a, as a trade because you shouldn't feel like as a loyal, uh, you know, regular reader that you're missing out on something important by not, you know, by buying it monthly and not buying the trade. And this six-page story, I keep saying it's six pages, but maybe it's five or, or four. Please please correct me. Um, it, it does as this, as this... Uh, no, five. Five, excuse me. As this uh, sentence introduction says under the credits on screen right now, um, it does connect to Snake Eyes Declassified in that it takes place after it. But it doesn't connect to Snake Eyes Declassified. This was the other problem I had with it at the time, that if it's going to be packed with this story, I feel like uh, Devil's Due should have asked Larry Hama to write a coda. I haven't, I haven't read issue six of Snake Eyes Declassified. So for all I know, the final scene perfectly tees up right before G.I. Joe 21. But I have a feeling the end of Declassified 6 is still back in Vietnam or is before issue one and not before issue 21. And so I feel like it's too much of a, of a, both a, a time jump and also a um, sort of a category or a topic a jump that if all of Snake Eyes Declassified is, you know, roughly 1975, then Hama's new story should be roughly 1975. And, um, and then my, I have sort of, I have five different problems with this. And I think my last one, although I reserve the right to come <laughs> up with different categories, is that um, if you're going to give Hama space to tell a new G.I. Joe story, don't make it so small, right? Like I already called this five pages uh, a, a tease, but I think I was doing that in the context of you made the, it six pages. I did on twenty percent of story. Um, I, um, if if you're gonna if you're gonna have Hama come back, make it substantial, right? Give me a full issue, uh, a double sized special, a, a miniseries. Um, this ends up being sort of, sort of. Uh, I think I'm jumping to the end. This ends up being much ado about nothing. Because, you know, 2006, I'm starved for Larry Hama G.I. Joe content, and then I get it. And uh, not even getting into the story itself and the art itself and the color itself, um, it's it's just this. Can you can you remind me since you have do you have the soft cover in front of you? Does the new Hama story come at the beginning of the collection or the end? Um, it is at the beginning of the collection. Okay, so. Yeah. That's uh, I don't know that that's sort of good or bad. It's such a small detail. I think that I think front loading it is a little cynical because I thought the selling point of this was that Brandon Jerwa and uh, uh, Santa Lucia and yep. maybe Atkins are, you know, telling the story. But, um, you know, it's like uh, th there's sort of no analogy, but it's like, oh, I'm buying the. Um, 
I'm buying the Star Wars prequel trilogy with episodes one, two, and three on a Blu-ray set, right? This, let's say this is two years ago. I'm like, oh, it's got an exclusive trailer for the Kenobi show on Disney Plus. And like, that's the first thing that plays. You know, that sort of feels like, wait, that's, anyway. And this on, on screen at the moment, I've put the Snake Eyes declassified uh, ad as well. The, the image that's on the Previews World website. And so it's got the front cover of snake eyes with the his arm in the in the rain with the arishikage tattoo and then in bold letters featuring an introduction and all new five-page story by snake eyes creator larry harmer so you know it's very prominent that that this was a key selling point for um the the trade paperback as advertised um, I'm going to save this next, I'm, I'm just going to tease this sentence for our next regular episode, but I feel like uh, I have, I have some things to say about um, how the Snake Eyes declassified, how Snylent Prelude connects to, <laughs> um, okay, without turning this into a, re a review of Snake Eyes Declassified. I think three of the five complaints I've had so far are very indirectly saying this, which I will get into more in another episode about the six issue miniseries. If you're going to have Hama back to do this, he should be writing the whole Snake Eyes declassified miniseries. Yeah. Although I wonder to what extent he would want to because of the story that's been told. You know, here as Snake Eyes declassified, and again, we're getting into yeah, yeah. Snake yeah. Eyes let's 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 just talk about Silent Prelude. Um, but yeah, the interesting thing as well is that you know you don't necessarily get always get a huge amount of um, you know, across the comics. Um, you don't get a huge amount of long editorializing from Larry in terms of you know articles. You know, here we've got a one-page text-heavy, um, sort of essentially introduction to the story uh uh the overall story from from larry and it's um interesting he talks about sort of most of it is the focus of the uh the origins of of snake eyes of, of how he came about looking at that black um plastic toy uh and and sort of trying to figure out what sort of character might sit behind that but then he goes to talk about uh the snake eyes declassified um story that's been been told here and and generally, I think he's quite uh, positive and forgiving, really, about the the story that that he said he says essentially that this isn't the way that I would do it, but what they do is pretty good, essentially. In a yeah, I, I think I I might slightly rephrase that as this isn't what I would have done, but this is okay by me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, this is the point you just made. I would like to reiterate it because it's 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 a big deal. Um, we get very little of Hama's own voice in text, in editorial text, in the span of official GI Joe comics. There are many interviews with him online, um, both both text and also on video. He's been to lots of conventions. There's an entire book of his interviews uh, published by, uh, is, it, is it University of Missouri Press? I, uh, I, I forget. It's called Larry Hama Conversations. And, um, and certainly Hama was answering a lot of the letters 
in Postbox the pit, it's a little hard to figure out which issues. I think I can identify many of them by his voice. And then in some cases, the editor refers to Larry in the third person, right? Well, Larry wanted to do this. So you know that's the editor. Um, but um, Larry, this these two columns of text that we're looking at right here um, are both a um, really impressive sort of bit of diplomacy in in the case of Larry and Devil's Do, right? Because it's one thing to slap Hama's name on the ad for this collection. Buy it because it's got a new thing. It's another thing for Larry to play ball and say, you know what? Not only will I do the new thing, I'll write an introduction. And um, <laughs> Mark, listeners, viewers, I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> I'm a big fan of Larry Hama introductions to graphic novels. I really like Hama's introduction to Marvel's original reprinting of the Nom, this is not the um, this is not the volumes one, two, three, which are each about ten issues from about two thousand five, two thousand ten. These are the volume one, two, three from the late eighties, which were not on glossy paper. Volume one has an all yellow cover. It's the Michael Golden corner box artwork of the soldier in blue with the flag behind him, and Hama. No, I'm getting this mixed up. No, that introduction is Doug Murray, the writer. Okay, Hama, uh, Hama writes an introduction to the earliest printing of Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X, and it's good. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's included in the more recent, um, the, the editions that came later, and then the newest edition, which is the like hardcover gallery edition. I, I don't know that I've uh, taken that one out of plastic at my store. Um, uh, are you are you looking for it, Mark? Do you have it on a shelf above you? <laughs> uh, is that in plastic? <laughs> it's in plastic. Look, so uh, shiny. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm blanking somewhere somewhere else. Hama, you know, not not like the interview with him or the introductions with him in some of the um, some of the uh, the really good fan produced books like um, uh, After Action Reports or. Uh, I can't remember if Hama is interviewed in one of Dan Klingensmith's uh, creating GI Joe slash 3.75 Joe uh, books. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're right there behind me. I can't reach them. <laughs> um, but uh, this is a great introduction because it has information we, we didn't know very specifically about Hama in the early 80s doing sort of toy uh, identity uh, Genesis, and then also um, referring to this story, and he is uh, complimentary, right? Devils do gets it right. Uh, the characters stand up and walk around. Snake Eyes talks, and now he has something to say, and what he has to say doesn't draw our sense of the rightness of the character. Um, that's a lovely thing to say. Now, I disagree with that, <laughs> but we can get into that in the in the in our other episode where we'll review the actual Snake Eyes Declassified miniseries, um, uh, so shall shall we look at the actual five page, or do you want to talk about this text some more? Yeah, no, let's get uh, let's get into it. So yeah. so curiously, they talk about this being like uh, the story being the the first introduction or the first interaction between Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow after their big falling out. You know, he's he's a, a Storm Shadow was assassinated 
um, the hard master or so Snake Eyes thinks. And when, when you say they talk about, you mean there's a sentence under the credits two pages earlier. Right. Yes. The, an, an, ed, an editorial sentence, not written by uh, Larry Hama. Okay. Uh, and so in canon, this is the, the first real, you know, commando snake eyes and, uh, you know, white, uh, sort of masked ninja outfit, ninja outfit, Cobra, um, storm shadow. So, uh, yes, important, um, first there. Shall we, um, yeah, let's have a flick through the pages and, and sort of discuss okay. it maybe as, as we go. All right. Uh, the, so first one, you go. It's a C-130 transport plane. Uh, there's someone Fly, jump- flying, flying at night. Flying at o- night. Over some mountains. We see two hands holding. Uh, the, 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 the rear of the plane opens and a lone parachutist uh, jumps from it, which is a Scarlet, uh, immediately but, putting but, us in, in mind of issue 21. Where but Storm this- Shadow was, uh, excuse me, but Snake Eyes and Scarlet are standing together when she jumps mm-hmm. out. Yeah, so it's not necessarily sort of fed to us why uh, Snake uh, Scarlet is jumping on her own here. Possibly, she's doing some solo mission, or it's a test jump, or something. Um, she curiously enough, she already has on her cheek uh, the plaster, which we know from uh, issue twenty one. That Amer- Americans supports. Americans will know this as a, a bandage or a band aid. Band-aid, yeah. Uh, tor- oh, tor- tor- torch, torch, flashlight. <laughs> okay. So this band-aid on her, on her cheek, which reading 21, you would think, you know, she's somehow injured herself in the scuffle, which has meant that she's been captured by Storm Shadow. Um, so, so here in this little bit of storytelling, somehow she's already got it. Tim, your bat on. Uh, I'm nodding my head. <laughs> uh, so you you uh, you can go to if we're just quickly going through the art. You can go yeah. to page two, and we'll we'll talk about what it means. Um, oh, so uh, uh, five panels. Uh, uh, her chute opens. She realizes as the C one thirty is flying away in the distance. The uh, Cobra Claw, a Cobra Claw, is zooming toward her with Storm Shadow already sword drawn. She throws two throwing stars uh, at him. Uh, they. Uh, he slashes them in half with his sword, um, but also him slashing means he has slashed her. Um, the the what do you call them? The ropes, the strands, yeah, the that, straps, yeah, the straps. Thank parachute. you. That, that connector. So in the final panel, she is falling, and uh, and her parachute sort of torn, parachute straps torn, or flapping above her, and uh, with his sword, Storm Shadows heading toward her. Uh, flying still in the claw. So page three, there's a little bit of a tussle as uh, Storm Shadow is grabbing um, Scarlet. Um, Snake Eyes from the distance can see what is happening and uh, jumps from the back of the C-130 uh, at uh, Storm Shadow uh, in, in the claw, but apparently jumping without a parachute. So quite a dangerous maneuver. Um, he lands on the back of the claw, and uh, yeah, this storm shadow versus snake eyes tussle ensues. And and specifically, uh, storm shadow is trying to slash at snake eyes with the sword, while uh, storm shadow is holding Scarlet, having caught her, and she 
uh, jabs him in the neck, Storm Shadow, with her four uh, fingers making a a, 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 a hard flap. <laughs> like, like, you know, she, she's flattened her hand and she's jabbing him with the tips of her four fingers. Okay, next page. Oh, uh, um, five panels uh, in the top one. Snake Eyes slaps away the sword. Uh, the parachute is sort of flying away. Um, Scarlet is kneeing Storm Shadow to the stomach. Snake Eyes is uh, grabbing at Storm Shadow's head while Storm Shadow is punching at Scarlet. And then we cut down to the ground and uh, a, a cargo truck, a small pickup truck with a canvas covered uh, flatbed behind it um, is driving on the ground. And in it are uh, the clown and I'm blanking on his name. White clown and Orlowski the dwarf are the, past, uh, the, the people in that uh, covered truck. In the distance, uh, silhouetted against the black night sky, is the claw zooming sort of low towards this truck. Um, uh, what's what's the not the clown? What's the other guy's name? Uh, Orlowski. Orlowski is um, his hand is up, and there are six effect lines coming out of his head, meaning he's he's complaining or yelling. Um, <laughs> and the clown is off. Looking a little bit sullen, leaning on his hand. And uh, and then help help us out. Uh, what's on the door of this truck? Uh, it says crook. Does it explain any other panels? No, I think uh, my guess is my guess logo is for the for the um, uh, the circus circus presumably. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm imagining that there's the the circus tents maybe in the back of this truck. All right, so I, we're not supposed to understand precisely what these two words on the door uh, say. I think in the same way that um, uh, that um, I think it's supposed to look like you know Polish or you mm. know Russian Cyrillic. Uh, in the same way that um, help me out, is it issue? Uh, is it issue? What's the issue that Tony Sammons draws, um, where the pa first page is the Joes trying to cross the border, and there's a there's a sign at the border crossing that's in another language, and you can tell that Hama is sort of making it up to mean border crossing. But <laughs> funny it's, enough, it's... I just I just looked up, uh, I just did a Google for crook, C Y R K, and Wikipedia says that crook are contemporary Polish circus posters. They emerged in 1962 as a genre of the Polish school of posters. Okay. So. Uh, so yeah, it does. It does have some uh, some meaning too. Okay. So my apologies if I've offended some of our European viewers, listeners, readers. Uh, Hama, I don't think is making up a word. I think he's using a real word. Um, <laughs> okay. And then again, not getting into what it all means, just what's happening. Can you go to the next page, Mark? And you you take the baton. So here we've got some sort of. I guess you'd call, you'd call them sort of like diagonal panels. So the, the sort of the page is cut up in quite a sort of dynamic, um, uh, kinetic uh, way. So the first uh, panel has Storm Shadow carrying Scarlet uh, on the claw, um, sort of flying through the side of this uh, covered truck, you know, through through one side, outside the other, tearing through uh, the fabric covering. 
the the next one uh, has storm shadow again on the claw but sort of uh, the claw somewhat tangled up by some of this this fabric that's been torn and holding on to scarlet by her belt uh, third panel we have wild bill um which this is probably uh, i just checked can canonically the uh the first appearance of uh well bill uh first appeared in issue 11 oh of course yeah true true but, uh, i'm thinking I, he appeared later yeah. but I, I i was about to guess as you did the other way yeah that's right he um the pipeline ploy wasn't it was that his first appearance or uh must be um so so he's looking out of his uh his windscreen down at the uh the the truck and uh, the final panel has Snake Eyes stood on the roof of the truck, uh, waving up to Wild Bill to, to flag him down. <laughs> I don't know quite how uh, how you flag down a C one thirty transports, but um, but yeah. And then, and presumably, the story picks up with uh, Snake Eyes back on that transport, hightailing it after Storm Shadow and um, Scarlet to the silent castle where he um parachutes himself the rescue okay um so much to talk about with this and um i think it's it's a great idea to have this as a mini episode but might be talking for an hour and a half about these <laughs> um okay so um uh to sort of read now that we've actually looked through it to reiterate something that we were saying before um this so much connects to issue 21 and doesn't connect to Snake Eyes Declassified. Um, this really wants to be in a collection. Um, oh, uh, um, uh, uh, another uh, tiny <laughs> out-of-date complaint, right? At the beginning, we were rattling off the two places where this story could have been, should have been collected mm. recently by IDW, uh, the, um, the Complete Silence uh, which had 26 and also uh origins 19 that's that's the uh, word 20 that's right yep that's mm -hmm. the wordless story uh, uh uh written and broken down by Hama and drawn by Joe Benitez um and uh that 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 comic did not include silent prelude and then the the uh, 40th anniversary uh hardcover did not um uh, going back a few years, IDW's G.I. Joe, The Complete Collection, Hardcover 2, which very specifically, that series of hardcovers very specifically included G.I. Joe and Special Missions in publishing order. So it wasn't going to separate Special Missions out into a separate series of books. So by the time you get to the hardcover that has issue 50, you then read, I think, I guess, Special Missions 1 and then 51 and then Special Missions 2 and then 52, et cetera. Um, and also they would they put in things like the toy packs those all of those extra comics which were sort of uh subsequent yeah. subsequent to the original publishing order but trying to put them into the chronological order right so like 33 and a half uh goes between 33 and 34 and this five page story was screaming to be included um in that uh, hardcover, and I'm going to just uh, say this sentence uh, a little bit. G.I. Joe complete hardcover two. When did that hardcover come out? 2013. Um, this five page story really would want to be right before 21 in yep. that uh, second hardcover. Um, and 
um, based on how IDW did include some of those Hasbro produced toy pack-in comics where Hasbro didn't appear to have the original um, color uh, print files, like the PDFs or the, the Photoshop files, Hasbro, excuse me, IDW scanned printed comics and oh, really? made- okay. Yeah, if you look at, I think it's 33 and a half or whatever, I forget what some of the other ones are, but um, if you look at them in those complete collection hardcovers, you can tell that they've lost a generation because the blacks aren't pure black. They look like someone took a photograph of a comic book, which is basically what happened. Okay, so, um, okay, so the real winner here it, it, for Silent Prelude is the person who loves Larry Hama storytelling as something separate from necessarily G.I. Joe, because Hama's visual storytelling, the way that he breaks down a page, right? When he is, I mean, literally breaking down a page, doing the breakdowns, right? When he's storyboarding for TV or video games, when he's laying out a cover, doing doing a cover sketch, Hama pulls off not just a incredibly fun and exciting story in these five pages, but his choreography of fighting is superb. And um, if you go back to pages two, three, four, um, all of this maneuvering that Hama is doing, all the contorting of the characters, right? These three panels, or is this is this page two, three? This is page three uh, that we're looking at. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So these final these final two panels, um, these final three panels, right? Um, not everyone can do this. And Hama makes it look easy. We sort of expect it from him. But to have this many things happening where, you know, Snake Eyes is landing and at the same time, Scarlet is starting to make her move and uh, Storm Shadow has his sword in his mouth, but he's wearing a mask and that now he's slashing up. And also um, uh, Snake Eyes is slightly adjusted sort of from landing because you'd land on a flying thing and you sort of you know, bounce or wiggle or almost fall off. And also Scarlet is now um, hitting Storm Shadow and it's all clear. And then again, on the, I mean, even going up to this first panel of this same page, right? Where um, Storm Shadow is reaching his right arm under his left to grab at Scarlet and his left arm is still holding on. And, and then uh, Snake Eyes sees it in this inset panel, right? Um, the same sort of um, fame and magic and um, reputation that the original silent interlude gets from people who aren't even really G.I. Joe fans, just people who sort of like comics or like Marvel comics or like good storytelling, right? Like people who don't really care about G.I. Joe know about silent interlude. They maybe haven't read it, but they know about it because um, everyone keeps talking about it. And everyone keeps, re IDW keeps reprinting it, but that's great, right? You know, it's like, you know, some famous movie or some famous book, you can you can keep getting new editions of it. Um, so the actual choreography here is great. And the actual drawing, considering that in 2006, Hama hadn't drawn any G.I. Joe, 
that we had seen in uh, 15 years, right? It's not clear to me when he stops um, drawing cover sketches, right? Mm. Um, in in his recollections, it sort of sounds like he did almost all of them for the whole time. And I don't, I don't know if that's, I, I would love to see some corroboration of that because I think it's very possible that in the final year or three years, he wasn't doing it or he wasn't doing it as much or he wasn't doing it every month. And part of why we absolutely know he did a bunch of the Mike Zek ones is that those pencil drawings have surfaced, right? I own one. I actually own three. And, uh, and um, you know, a couple are like on comic art fans or, you know, someone has posted a scan of. Um, and I haven't seen those surface for like the Wildman covers or the Phil Gozier yeah. covers. Yeah. Um, and, uh, okay, so um, there's no reason to think why Hama would have lost a step in his drawing skills between when he was drawing some comics or sketching out some comics that we are aware of to 2006. But, you know, you wonder if someone like a Ron Wagner, like, oh, cool, he's doing some new G.I. Joe. Like, oh, what if he's lost a step? What if he's rusty? Or what if what if he's rusty at G.I. Joe? Or what if he's rusty at everything? Because, you know, some artists, some musicians, some athletes um, don't get better as they get older, right? And Ron Wagner gets better as he gets older, right? And uh, and Hama's storytelling uh, gets better as he gets older, or at the very least stays at the um, high level. So just in terms of not connecting this to any other G.I. Joe story, just seeing some G.I. Joe characters have at it for five pages is a joy and a treat. And I'm, I wanna hand the baton back to you, Mark. Because I've I've got a butt coming. Yeah, I was I was going to just going to linger on this uh, panel of of Snake Eyes sort of reaching down to grab um, Storm Shadow's face and sort of his eyebrow sort of arching as his sort of having his pulling on his his face. It's just uh, it's just so much expression to it. It it looks great. I do I do love um, I do love uh, Larry Hammer's storytelling. Whenever I I see his uh you know his breakdowns and someone else you know finishing it um th those are amongst particularly on gi joe those are amongst the very best of the gi joe issues from the, the marvel era and uh yeah he's you know very much uh very much of a part i think um this th these breakdowns from from larry as well uh baton back to you tim um Okay, so now I'm going back to sort of uh, the the low budget or the cynical or the tease of it. Um, Hama doing breakdowns, Ron Wagner doing finished pencils, great. But this wants to be inked. It doesn't look bad for not being inked, but it looks like darkened finished pencils. And to me, this says Devil's Due doesn't want to spend the money to hire an inker or to have Wagner ink it. And believe me, Wagner could ink this, right? He he has that skill, but you know, that's gonna cost another, I don't know, 200 bucks or 600 bucks. And uh, maybe it was time and schedule, but you know, if this is gonna uh, connect to the original um, and it is at this time, both with GI Joe Declassified and also with um, 
I think all of the issues of World War III and maybe other G.I. Joe comics at the time, mm -hmm. Devil's Due is starting to reproduce straight from pencils. And I can tell, and it either looks a little bad or a lot bad. Um, you know, if you can get a pure black from darkening pencils on a photocopier and or Photoshop, uh, you should, but then other sort of artifacts might get dark and then you have to clean them up or you get this sort of broken pencil line, this scratchy line, which can have a lot of character. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to speak ill of Wagner's penciling or his finished penciling here, but you ink this and it gets a little smoother, a little slicker and just, just do that. That's, that's just what you should do here. Yeah. And what's, what's the, what's the bet that, um, Larry might have even suggested, you know what, you should probably try and ask Steve Lealoa if uh, if he would be able to, to do it. Um, for those of you looking at this and sort of not sure about, uh, you know, the pens, the, whether it's been penciled or inks, I think in that very first panel of that C-130, it's um, very transparent as to, you know, this is darkened pencils because those the effects there of... Uh, the sort of softness of some of the the blacks uh, can only really be accomplished by by having pencil um, rather than uh, inks because you know ink is a lot more of a consistent uh, solid black and this is, this has got various sort of shades that can be sort of uh, made out. This second panel makes me chuckle um, for. A long time, I didn't, I couldn't um, identify Larry Hama's style because he hadn't drawn a lot of comics or he hadn't drawn a lot of comics that were in front of me. Um, you know, his work in comics, he has drawn comics. Some of it's invisible, like cover sketches. Some of it is collaborative, like he does breakdowns and his stuff is definitely showing through. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of his artwork is either um uh spot illustrations in you know national lampoon or uh playboy or uh he's working at continuity penciling or inking with other people maybe to you know this is like the mid 70s and he's helping get a conan issue <laughs> to the to the printer on time <laughs> and they're just all trying to make it look good or they're just all trying to make it look like neil adams and so hama's not going to shine through um I years later, I can finally see it in his faces. And when, now when I look back at 26 and uh, and 21, I can definitely see it. And when I see this second panel, I chuckle because I don't quite know what makes a Ron Wagner hand, but this is absolutely a Larry Hama hand. Um, I think Larry Hama's hands are a little longer and a little more slender. And then, of course, in you know, in the faces, right? Scarlet's face, um, you know, um, Wagner's Wagner's depiction of uh, of Scarlet. If he had penciled this in in its entirety, right? His it's going to look a little more like this is not a good analogy, but uh, John Romita, right? Um, or Joe Kubert, right? And Hama is Hama's. Uh, I don't even I don't even have words for it. Just the the eyes are different. The shape of the face is different. Um, okay, so 
can we talk about color for a minute? Sure. All right. Um, I don't love the coloring in this. I understand that this wants to be modern 2006 color. Uh, it's, that's going to be a, a better fit for you know the book that it's in with the issues of Snake Eyes Declassified and um, and comics in 2006. And I'm not saying this has to be a retro four color only. I mean four color printing, right? Which gets you 64 colors like the original issue 21. Um, this can have this can have rendering. It can be some version of modern, but. Can you can you go back to that close up you did of the three panels where Snake Eyes has landed on the claw and um, he's trying to grab Storm Shadow's mask or face? Also, I wanted to point out uh, when you mentioned that Snake Eyes grabbing at Storm Shadow's head or face and his eyebrows up, is Snake Eyes trying to take Storm Shadow's mask off because he thinks he knows who this is, or he's just grabbing mm. because he's grabbing, right? Um, also, hey everyone who draws Deadpool. If you want to have someone wearing a mask with their mouth open, this is how you draw it, <laughs> right? It's like you sort of can't do anything besides this because you sort of don't see it. Okay, anyway, back to GI Joe. Um, this third panel represents for me a overcoloring in modern comics and b coloring that doesn't agree with the art. Uh, there's something. Uh, this is an imprecise term, old school about Hama and Wagner and this combination of them. And that might merit some version of modern coloring, but this ain't it. Because just look at Snake Eyes' hand, right? How many highlights are there? Is there actually a highlight on every knuckle? Yes. And also uh, all the muscles on his arms and his shoulder and both sides of his head and the edges of his visor and his other fingertips. And, you know, I appreciate that there's some blue reflected light on the right side of Storm Shadow's head. I think this colorist um, is, is, in, is in good faith coloring in a modern style. Isn't just sort of making up a million light sources. Well, he's, all right, he's making up too many light sources, right? I know there's a full moon because we know that from issue 21, but it ain't that bright. and. This panel, the top half of it is just too busy, right? I can't really focus on what a smooth operator Snake Eyes is, what a mysterious cipher he is, because the, I mean, arts in totality, art and color are too busy, right? Even though this is a loud, exciting panel with wind rushing by and maybe the sound of the claw itself and some grunting and yelling. And did I mention the wind rushing by? Um, all of the panels in this comic, but this one sort of symbolically the most, um, it's too busy. It doesn't need this much rendering. You can have highlights, you can have midtones, you can have shadows, you can have gradients, uh, you can have colored light, like the red light in the back of the C-130, the blue light of the moon. Not this much, not this many changes. It's too busy. Okay, what else, Tim? Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up about this specifically before? Yeah, before before we wrap, before we wrap <laughs> before up. Before we wrap up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, I wanted to sort of, so I started with a negative, like, uh, I don't want to have to get this, but I have to get this. 
And then I went to a positive. Uh, the choreography is great. It's so great to see these people back. And now comes a negative. Um, as much as I want to know what happens right before the original silent interlude, it turns out I don't want to know what happens before the original silent interlude. And this is, uh, I will echo this sentiment in a larger way when we do a proper episode about the Snake Eyes declassified miniseries. But, um, you know, you mentioned the, what's the British word for bandage? Plaster. Plaster, okay. Um, in, in, in the States, plaster is what you put on a wall before you paint it. Yeah, um, we, we, we do that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so, okay. If Hama only has five pages to tell what happens before... Okay, uh, let me go back a step. Um, Silent Interlude is so exciting and famous. And to Hama's credit, I don't think he's holding it up the way that we are. It's just one of 250 G.I. Joe stories he's written. And every time he sits down to write one, he's trying to do a great job and do better than the last. And so if we reprint this one in hardcover and we podcast about it, we recreate it in, you know, with toys, if we write essays about it, um, you know, I think that's all like water off Hama's back, like shoulder shrug. I'm just writing stories. I'm just writing stories. Some of them are good. Um, okay. So Scarlet has this bandaid on her face. I, if someone, if Hama tells me, oh, actually she didn't get that in the scuffle with Storm Shadow just before the first page of 21, that's okay. And I guess here we're sort of continuing with that mystery, but I feel like some of the fun of that mystery has now been taken out of it because that was neat that she has that bandage and we can imagine. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Hama's got five pages to sell some story. And it turns out that what he's doing is he's telling like the three minutes before page one of Silent Interlude. And it turns out that is not at all exciting to me um, because uh, now the sort of intensity, the desperation of um, the coolness of Snake Eyes getting into the Silent Castle that we see in 21 um, is, is diminished because, wait, he was there all along? Like, okay, it's so cool that he just jumps after her here in Silent Prelude, but um, if there's going to be a story before a silent prelude. I want it to be a mission. I want it to be substantial. And I'm not necessarily saying it needs to be a full issue or a full miniseries. Um, but in that Hama has a little beginning, middle, and end, and the choreography is great in these five pages. It is a story. But in terms of like, does it serve a narrative function? No, it's not a story. It's just a little bit of connective tissue, right? Like, um, you know, like uh, uh, um, at the beginning of um, uh, the first, I always, I always refer to the first page of 97 of uh, G.I. Joe 97, where two Joes, three Joes are pinned behind some cars getting shot and it just jumps right into the story. Mm. And it does not pick up from the end of issue 96, the Snake Eyes trilogy. And 
The story of what happens before 97, how these Joes get there and are under fire, has never been told. And it could be, but does it need to be? You know, like if Hama, if there's an, a reprint of like 97 and it's like, new five page story. And Hama writes like those Joes walking down the street. One of them's like, hey, I see some Cobras or whoever the bad guy is on the first page of 97. Like, oh, they're pulling out guns. We better take cover. And then there's some neat punching and twisting, like, no, let's hide behind this car. And we just set it up so that now on the final page of, um, is is the title of 97, is that is that what goes around comes around? Or is that extenuating circumstances? Mm, I do Wait, not remember. Then, hold on, I will just Google Yojo 97 <laughs> issue Marvel. The title is, what goes around comes around. Okay, if there's a new reprint of 97 and Hama's gonna do a five page story, it's like, uh, what happens before what goes around comes around and the Joe's just like take cover or walking down a street and take cover behind some cars. I would, that doesn't ruin or diminish 97, but it doesn't feel like the best use of five pages. Mm. And so I don't ever want to say we shouldn't ask Hama to do a little bit more GI Joe. I don't ever want to say devil's do made a mistake by asking Hama back for a fourth time or for a fourth time out of four times rather than just three. Um, this is this is such a, it's not story. It's just set up, you mm -hmm. know? Like, um, like if there was some big hullabaloo, like it's like, oh, do you wanna know what Luke Skywalker is doing before? He goes to see Obi-Wan Kenobi when he's chasing the runaway droid at the beginning of episode four. Like, I know there's a deleted scene where Luke's looking up in binoculars and he sees a space battle. And I know there's, or like scripting, I know there's a deleted scene where he sees uh, his friend with the mustache at uh, Anchorhead or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to join the Empire. Like, I understand that that exists. And that got cut for a reason because it slowed down the story. It slowed down the pacing. Ah, shoot, 21 has such amazing pacing. But it's like, oh, well, you know, Luke's doing some chores. And, uh, you know, Uncle Owen's mm. like, oh, some Jawas are coming. I, we might buy some droids. Like that story does not need to be told because it's not a story. So um, Silent Prelude, you know, reading it for free, borrowing my friend's soft cover of Snake Eyes Declassified or reading a PDF that's been provided by an excellent podcast host uh, is great. Uh, and it definitely should be included in these reprints, um, but it doesn't stand on its own and it doesn't add enough or anything, your, your mileage may vary, to the thing that it is connecting to. So, why yeah that makes perfect sense tim it, you know in a nutshell it's like i think we're agreeing that it's great to see uh hammer and, and wagner working together and and seeing you know seeing the art chops and the storytelling chops but really it isn't a story that needs to be told and <laughs> one of the things that struck me at the time as well was like it's fun to see the the white clown because you know obviously we he's we're introduced to him much later in the GIJ world and it's bringing him into to the sort of the chronology a little bit earlier now because you know he's been out there clowning about looking for his um uh, looking for his uh, um, special lady friends uh, for a little while um, 
So, so you know, he's he's out there in the universe. But other than a sort of a little bit of a sly nod, it you know, us seeing him in those couple of panels doesn't necessarily change anything or or add anything particularly massively as much as you know, as much as the strip is fun. Yeah, um, a comparison when Chuckles shows up on a page in G.I. Joe Declassified, I, th- I think it's issue one, maybe it's issue two, but I think Hawk is getting driven to, to headquarters or someone, uh, a military base, and uh, and Chuckles is with him. And I don't think he's in uniform. Is he in uniform? Uh, but someone refers to him. And yeah. that's that's fun. And I think the right kind of, it's not even an Easter egg because they refer to him. It's not like yeah, he's in the background. The mm-hmm. And that's an interesting bit of retroactive continuity, right? And Hama refers to this all the time when when he's talking about how he writes. And I think it's a little confusing because he's using this term so perfectly, but not explaining it. Even people who know what retconning is, you know, he's like, well, G.I. Joe was always a retcon, right? So what he in this example, what he what he would be saying is, okay, Chuckles shows up in 87 with those toys. And he first shows up in, I think, issue 60. But no, he was always around. Um, you know, the same way that, um, yes. And so, sure, uh, the two circus uh, characters have been around, not like they became circus performers one day before their first appearance in issue 60-something. Um, oh, or Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, they've always had the tattoos on their arm. It's just we've never seen their arms before. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, so having... <sighs> and until having, we showed them, I didn't know that they had tattoos. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. So having the having the two circus characters show up here is cute, but it's it's actually distracting because... They don't need to be there. And, uh, you know, I hesitate to say, like, Larry Hama shouldn't have done something in a G.I. Joe story because he really is the guy. But <laughs> um, I wish I could blame this on, you know, a Devil's Due editorial. Because I, I with um, with Frontline 1 through 4, the mission that, that never was, I can. Because um, he didn't get to write that story the way he wanted to. Um, but with these two uh, circus characters showing up, it feels like Hama is like stepping out in front of the camera and pointing and saying, hey, look, it's <laughs> those guys, you know, those guys. Um, and this bit about um, what I was saying before about um, setup, not story. Um, this, it's, it's this great choreography that Hama has of the claw smashing through the truck and that's how snake uh storm shadow gets this cloth so that he can wrap up right uh, right right Right. that's really in terms of storytelling raw storytelling this five-page story by itself that's great and there are many artists who wouldn't pull this off as clearly or couldn't pull it off and so these five pages by themselves i think that's awesome but like hey everyone did you want to know the origin of the canvas that <laughs> Scarlet is wrapped in that on page two or three of the original silent interlude storm shadow cuts in half? No, no, you didn't need or want to know the origin of that. Right. Like, um, uh, <laughs> um, 
you know, I'm trying to think of like, remember in issue, is it 34 when Billy is going to assassinate Cobra Commander? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, and the cover is that amazing Zek cover, right? The POV shot of the hand and the pistol. Okay. If any writer, Hama or otherwise, it's like, oh, here's a five page story about where that gun was before Baroness and Mindbender, uh, excuse me, Baroness and Major Blood. I think they have it in a suitcase or something, right? Like, I don't need to see the story where like Major Blood steals that from a, a, a gun store. I don't need like some explanation where like in a half issue or some new like backup story, Major Blood's like, ah, this was my uncle's gun, but I killed him because I'm Major Blood and I'm a bad guy. I'm going to give this to someone for something special, right? It's, he meant Billy all along retroactively. Like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. So, um, <laughs> but, at the same, but at the same time, Tim, um, I didn't put two and two together to realize that that was the like the tarp that um, or the material that that Scarlet had been wrapped in uh, when she was delivered. So so when you actually did point that out, it's like right. So of course. So as <laughs> so, um, here's something funny. This as a, as, as a layer, it makes more sense this sequence, this whole sequence now because right. there there's a logic behind it. So why did? How was Scarlet covered up? It was because right. he went through this thing, and that's right. where it's, he got the. It's material. not her. Par- it's not her parachute, right? That got that got cut and pushed away by the yeah. wind. Um, so, as a little bit of physical choreography, this is totally awesome. As a story, um, as a larger part of the GI Joe story, this is totally stupid. <laughs> um, and. Um, and also narratively, right? It's like, how much can you get done in five pages? Well, if it's, uh, I mean, you know, some of the best comics stories I've read are short stories, seven pages, eight pages, right? Like a lot of EC stories. I mean, not DC, EC uh, crime and horror and sci-fi from the 50s, like Frontline Combat, uh, Two-Fisted Tales, Tales from the Crypt. Um, Batman Black and White, the original miniseries from the 90s, right? Those are all eight pages and they're all they're all tremendous. And many Batman Black and White stories since then have been good. Um, so <laughs> like Hama is someone who, if you give him just a few pages, he's more likely than not to pull off something. And a lot of writers cannot, right? Like modern writers, many modern writers in comics uh, can't write a satisfying 20 pages, right? Much less eight. So now you give Hama only five. And does this story actually end? Like, what's the final panel? Um, Snake Eyes is communicating with Wild Bill on the plane. And it's like, well, if we're gonna, if we're gonna do, if we're gonna really zoom in, doesn't this need one more page where Storm Shadow is actually wrapping Scarlet while she's unconscious and they're flying towards the castle? Don't we need a panel where the C-130 drops some hook and Snake Eyes grabs it or lands and he gets back on board, right? It's like, once you start, um, once you start zooming in on these uh, less interesting or narratively unnecessary scenes or beats, um, it can become infinite, you know? Um, it's like, well, there should be a missing scene in the middle of Silent Interlude or at the end of, I need to know what happens between 21 and 22. Like, when does Scarlet take the Band-Aid off? <laughs> it's never explained. <laughs> um, and without getting into any specifics, because I'm going to save this for our 
Snake Eyes Declassified uh, review or reviews. Um, in big storytelling culture these days, uh, the last 20 years, uh, some beloved brands and entertainment makers have done a lot of this, have started getting into telling in between stories that we think we want. And then it turns out that some of us didn't want, and maybe the people who love it uh, don't love it as much and don't realize it's because it's not great and not important. And um, I'm sorry to say that Silent Prelude is uh, is that. Okay. Um, just to be comprehensive as well, I'll, I'll point out as uh, that Silent Prelude is not the only prologue or prelude to um, issue 21 because over in the UK, oh, in right, Action Force, excellent uh, story, uh, which was also a prologue. So, we, we talked about this, I think, briefly with um, Richard Starkings when. Uh, when, we, when we interviewed him and when you say we you mean you i mean me i, uh, I was i'm, I'm I sorry listeners. Me, and, me and paddy okay uh, uh there uh, for listeners who are confused me uh, and not tim a couple times uh when mark has done a very uk specific thing uh i, I have not been here for that okay please continue <laughs> so so essentially um when issue 21 was reprinted in the uk it was reprinted out of order because we we uh, you know we started um the, the reprints in, in the pages of Action Force in uh, at around about that, um, around about issue 25-ish. So, so that's sort of Zartan um, introduction story. And so so 21 was obviously before that, but such a good and important story that you wanted to, to include it in the in the reprints. So because it was kind of out, slightly out of um, chronology and also because it was such a strange story with the fact that there were no word balloons, um, Richard Starkings decided to uh, have a book ending of prologue um, and sort of postscript to the to the story. So uh, it was uh, drawn by uh, a very young Brian Hitch. So it had uh, this uh, front cover by him, Storm Warning. And oops, let me right thing. Um, so there's this <laughs> story uh, consequences prologue and which uh, essentially is um scarlet in trafalgar square on a rainy day a storm shadow circling overhead on the claw there she is without a plaster on her face <laughs> and uh down comes uh, storm shadow kicking uh kicking her bodyguards out the way into into the um uh fountain at uh, trafalgar square uh, there's a tussle that ensues, and uh, um, ultimately uh, he ends up grabbing. Uh, well, it doesn't actually get shown, but but uh, I guess it's implied that. Uh, oh yes, you know here he is. He's, he throws a rope around um, uh, Scarlet, tying her up in a. And the thing that ties her up actually here is uh, a trench coat, <laughs> and uh, and then sort of the the story finishes with um snake eyes revealing himself that he was there in disguise um, prologue ends and uh, then the issue 21 proper begins um and then there's a postscript as well where after 
Scarlet's flown away, that there's a little segment uh, with uh, Storm Shadow and Destro where they sort of talk about what has happened and tying it into the um, tying it into the UK specific storyline. Mark, um, Starkings was the editor or Starkings was the writer? He was the editor. I believe this was Mike Collins. Okay. Who was the writer. Right. And um, issues of G.I. Joe were broken up across two issues of Action Force. Is that right? Uh, it might have been even three. Yeah. They were, they were, so they're broken up into parts. Yeah. Okay. And did that happen with Silent Interlude or was it printed in, uh, in it whole? It would have you know? done. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been spread across uh, several okay. issues. Because there, there were a couple specials or, or annuals which were... I think yeah apart doubles. from yeah apart from the special like the holiday specials and the annuals they would generally be be split up into uh, okay three or um, parts I think you know the, um that uh Starkings and Collins and Hitch are contorting themselves to better account for um silent interlude in the UK storyline and continuity uh reminds me of um how between sort of uh, 1990 when I started reading X-Men comics and now, but really sort of 10 years ago, it seemed like every five or 10 years, I guess this was also, this has also happened with Avengers. Basically every five or 10 years, an editor or a writer at Marvel realizes that there's something in X-Men or Avengers, which either doesn't make sense or um, was never um, entirely explained and, Sort of the original writer is gone and maybe this is now an opportunity for them or someone else to come up with an explanation um or um something was sort of problematic and they want to um with hindsight explain it away in a different context and some of that has been good and some of that is incredibly contorted where you have you know like a whole mini series to explain why you know, like one person like was really dead but when they were alive or was really alive when they were dead or why there were two of them and one was good and one was evil <laughs> or something. And and I feel like, you know, it, it's this joke about the Band-Aid, right? It's like, I feel like there have been X-Men, three entire issues of X-Men at a time here and <laughs> there explaining why actually, um, okay, so speaking of Larry Hama, uh, Hama wrote a three-issue arc uh, a year or two ago of X-Men Legends, and uh, this series ran about 10 issues and had some sort of in-between stories. I'm not talking about the Wolverine Patch miniseries, and uh, this was a, a Wolverine and um, uh, Omega Red story, and uh, it was drawn by uh, Philip Tan, not Billy Tan. I get them mixed up. Oh, sorry. Philip Tan, I think. Anyway, um, uh, so um, uh, these these issues of X-Men Legends have been sort of what happened next or what, what happened between. And some of them are an amazing idea, right? Like if uh, Louise Simonson and Walt Simonson could have done, you know, one or two more issues of X-Factor, uh, what might it have been? Um, and uh, I haven't read this. The series recently started over with a new number one. And Roy Thomas um, wrote, the, I believe, the first issue. And I believe Dave Wachter, uh, who did some Ninja Turtles and is now at Marvel doing um, Star Wars and uh, Alien. Alien, um, yeah. Uh, I believe he drew the first issue, uh, which is set between Hulk 181 and 182, 
and Giant Size X-Men won. So it's like 1974, right? And this entire story explains why Wolverine's mask changes from his first appearance <laughs> in Hulk 181 and 182. And I know the last page of, well, one, of 180. And his mask in Giant Size X-Men number one. And that is not a story that needs to be told. <laughs> we can just chalk it up to sometimes Batman has short horns and sometimes he has long horns. And with Batman, I feel like there's some uh, sort of track uh, there's some runway where you could in one story say like, oh, well, these horns for this cowl has this technology, you know, it's like, oh, it's got radar, or it's got like food capsules or something. But otherwise, sometimes his cape is long, sometimes it's short. I don't need an accounting of it. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, um, can you remind us, Mark, while we're talking about adjuncts to issue 21, uh, 21B one of the Packin comics. This is not us reviewing this this comic. Mm -hmm. I haven't read it in a while. Um, this issue was drawn by Jeremy Dale. That's right. Yep. And written by Hama. And yep. uh, I don't know if it was broken down by Hama. Um, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. If I had it in front of me. I'm, silence, silence between, between panels. Oh, excuse me. Silence between borders, not panels. Um, and as I recall. It's sort of 21 from a different point of view, but it's basically not, it's yeah. not really different story. No, it's it's almost an entire retelling of the story, but um just very slightly looking at it from a different angle, essentially. So so it's it's not quite it's not quite the like for like retelling that, that we saw with the 40th anniversary, but not too far off. It's it's um, it's like just maybe it's maybe the uh, you know it's talking about the sort of between borders. Maybe it's the you know you've got two two of the original borders you know panels there, and this one is the one in the middle and the other side of that one. So it's like just cl very close enough to the original twenty one that it doesn't stand up to too much too much great comparison because twenty one is is so classic. <laughs> Right. And then and then if you are reading G.I. Joe, the complete collection hardcover two, where it is printed right after 21, I think the comparison is unflattering to yeah, yeah. the the directive, you know, like I think someone at Hasbro said, Oh, Hama, do you want to tell a story around 21? And he said, Okay. And then uh, a talented artist, but who was not as strong a storyteller as Hama and was not working from Hama's break uh, breakdowns then drew it and that that comparison is unflattering um well i guess i guess what what uh we might suggest to the new publisher of gi joe comics whoever that might be is a definitive complete <laughs> right and i i want this action force stuff with the covers i want 21b even though uh it's not you know the most amazingest uh i want Silent Prelude, even if it's scanned from printed comics. I want um, uh, G.I. Joe Origins, is it 19 or 20? Uh, the issue drawn by Joe Benitez. I want the story in yearbook three that's wordless. I want 85 SFX drawn, uh, penciled by Paul Ryan. Oh, I guess if we're doing all the wordless issues, then uh, 275 was wordless, right? Was 275 wordless in all splash panels? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, maybe we leave that out because um, now you're getting a very, very big book. 
<laughs> you can look, look look at me poo pooing the modern stuff. You can bung in uh, Scarlet by Paul Pope in there as well if you want. Was this an additional bonus in the Snake Eyes Declassified collection? This was a an IDW variant cover for uh, an issue. I think it was GI Joe issue one by Fred Van Lent. Okay. So it didn't connect to Hama or it wasn't a reprint of Silent Interlude or anything. Nope. Okay. Just a cool, just a cool drawing by a cool, uh, uh, by a, yeah, interesting artist. Right, right. Um, uh, any any wrap up thoughts? I guess. Um, well, for for I what tried. I thought was going to be a really quick episode, I really did talk for sixteen minutes, a lot longer than I thought we would. So. Uh, who only knows what's going to happen when we uh, talk about Snake Eyes Declassified when we have uh, a whole bunch more more pages, uh, certainly more than uh, five pages to talk about. <laughs> and you can uh, find out uh, what we think of Snake Eyes Declassified when we talk about it next on uh, the Disavowed episodes of talking joe which will come up in the future alongside all sorts of other fun things interviews looks at other books uh, news about the new publisher if we haven't found out about that already by the time this comes out i think it's possible we might have found out by the time this comes comes out uh you know it's gotta be soon hasn't it um <laughs> and uh and, and more besides um so um Oh, yeah, I'm going to say, I'll say uh, that if you're new to Talking Joe, you can, of course, find out more on the website, which is talkingjoe.co.uk. Links to everything, uh, including uh, our Patreon site. A big thanks to all of the backers who are getting access to all sorts of uh, extra fun stuff. Uh, Tim, where can people find you? Video essays about television and film at our YouTube page, Atomic Abe Productions, my brick and mortar comic book store in Somerville, Massachusetts is Hub Comics. And I write about G.I. Joe at arealamericanbook.com. Uh, so I think that is us done. But remember that... Nobody beats Talking Joe, an international podcast. So, laters. I don't think you should even call it a mini a mini episode when you post. No, it's it. not a mini episode anymore, just, is it? It's just, just an, an episode. episode.